Sam Tracy. And I'm Sarah Merrigan. And thanks for tuning in to Season 5 of This Week in Drugs, the leading podcast on all things drugs, including policy, science, culture, and so much more. This show is produced by Twid Media, whose members are all alumni of Students for Sensible Drug Policy, an awesome nonprofit working to end the war on drugs. We also produce a weekly email newsletter and have some other exciting projects on the way. You can check them all out on our website, thisweekindrugs.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. And now it's time for the weekly news and forecast, where Sarah and I will talk about some of the biggest drug news stories from the last week and a couple exciting things that are coming up. Uh, But before we dive into that, just a quick shout out to our sponsor this week, which is listeners like you. Uh, We have a Patreon account uh, where you can make a small monthly donation to help support the show and pay our bills. So uh, there's many people who do that already. They're listeners just like you. And if you're not one of them yet, uh, just go over to patreon.com slash twid. But now, Sarah, would you like to start things off with our first big story of the week absolutely so this one comes to us from new jersey which i don't i feel like we haven't started off on a more local note in a Mm -hmm. while (laughs) but and this one's actually pretty exciting which again i don't feel like we've had a a (laughs) positive domestic story (laughs) yeah so hopefully this is a a sign of a turning tide but Mm -hmm. um this tuesday a state appellate court in new jersey ruled that Steve Lee, the former director of the Division of Consumer Affairs, had the authority to reclassify marijuana and change its status as a Schedule One drug. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. So the case was actually brought um, by attorney Joseph Linares on behalf of Stephen Kodonsky, and he is currently serving a life sentence under New Jersey's Kingpin statute um, for charges related to marijuana trafficking. Mm-hmm. And they, he and his attorney decided to petition the state to reclassify marijuana from Schedule 1 to Schedule 4 um, in order to reduce, quote, inflated sentences for crimes involving marijuana, including crimes like trafficking and some of the, you know, cri- um, mm-hmm. things like trafficking that have larger penalties than just simple possession, right? Right. And so what they're kind of the core of their argument was that when the state legislature determined marijuana um, had some kind of medical benefit and passed the New Jersey Compassionate Use Medical Marijuana Act, this in and of itself was contradicting the drug schedule one right. placement. Because that's what I was about to say, just that New Jersey, I mean, it's a very limited program, but they've had medical for a while now. But I guess I had never really thought too much about whether states actually reschedule when they do medical or if they just do kind of a strange carve out and leave it in one there yeah Mm. i and i think this is really interesting um it talks about so there was a three judge panel it wasn't just uh one individual and the panel voted two to one in favor of kadonsky stating that the medicinal benefits of marijuana are quote abundantly and glaringly apparent now (laughs) and that to me just is very very strong language yeah Um, especially from a judge who they tend to be very precise about what they're trying to say absolutely um and so i think that is incredibly exciting um particularly going into next week when Mm -hmm. new jersey has elections coming up and chris christie will soon be out of office yeah 
because in a way this will be, this could basically just be moot pretty soon because I know and I haven't looked at you know the latest polling we're recording this on uh, November 4th on Saturday uh, but last time I checked the Democrat I, his name is escaping me but I know uh, he's the front runner right now and he's strongly in support of legalization and apparently they have the votes in the legislature so in a way maybe this will just all be moot pretty soon just because if they're going to legalize it for adult use hopefully some of that would be retroactive in terms of at least changing the penalties you know large-scale distribution would probably still not be uh you know legal or anything but the the penalties would certainly be brought down a little bit and to be more in line with you know alcohol or cigarette smuggling or something like that yeah absolutely and i just looked up his name and it is phil murphy phil murphy yes perfect Um, so if you're in new jersey remember that phil murphy (laughs) (laughs) yeah but uh the attorney who brought the case said they're called the decision, quote, an important incremental step toward reclassifying the drug and said that this recognizes, you know, the widespread acceptance of marijuana use in medical treatment. Um, and, you know, one, um, like I said, the panel of three judges voted two to one. And so mm-hmm. there was one judge who wrote a dissenting opinion, which does potentially open the door for another appeal. Mm-hmm. And this, so, you know, there are a lot of questions still up in the air um but i think i don't know i, I think that this is exciting particularly yeah. because it's kind of the first the first of its kind that we've seen in a while mm-hmm. um it'll be really interesting to see yeah if that makes its way all the way up to the new jersey supreme court yes. so definitely you have to keep tabs on that one we certainly will and so the next big story this week uh, is on the investment side of things, uh, kind of American, kind of not, and we'll get into that. Uh, but what I think was one of the most politically important investments in a marijuana company so far, probably, uh, and it's that Constellation Brands, which is a Fortune 500 company that makes Corona beer, Svetka vodka, and many other popular brands of alcohol. They bought a 9.9% stake in Canopy Growth, which is a Canadian medical marijuana company. It's worth noting that Constellation Brands, they're headquartered in New York, so they're an American company. And this is really the first time, you know, a member of Big Alcohol, which they undoubtedly are, you know, Corona, Svetka, uh, they're Fortune 500, they're huge. They're openly getting involved in the marijuana industry now. So far, you know, there has been a little bit of overlap in Nevada. There's the whole thing where alcohol distributors are allowed to be involved in the distribution licenses. But this is the first time a really huge company is just investing in a marijuana company. Uh, And so according to the Wall Street Journal, it's also not just an investment, but it is a strategic partnership as Constellation Brands is going to contribute expertise in making beverages to help canopy growth develop better cannabis drinks. And uh, it is worth talking quickly just about how big this deal is. They pay 191 million U.S. dollars. Technically, it was 245 million Canadian, uh, but that's the exchange rate. And that was for a 9.9% stake, which they val- means they value the company at almost $2 billion. Uh, so Canopy Growth the stock is up by nearly 20% since this announcement. It's a really big deal, and uh, it is a really shifting tide for the, uh, for the industry. Yeah, I think this is really exciting. It's um, we've been talking about this potential crossover for a while and sort of the merging mm-hmm. of alcohol and cannabis. And this is it's it's finally happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it really does kind of go to demonstrate the practical real world impacts of federal prohibition in the United States, because like, you know, this is 
a U.S. alcohol company, but they can, they're only willing to invest in a Canadian marijuana company because they know, okay, here it's you know legal at all levels, maybe violating international law, but that doesn't really count because it's unenforceable, in real, realistically speaking. And so they're willing to get involved there, but they're still avoiding the U.S. market, even in... You know, they're based in New York. Medical is legal in New York, but they didn't touch any of those medical marijuana companies, even though it's in their home state. So, you know, it, it, it's an interesting discussion. And I'm cu- curious to hear your thoughts, because, I mean, in a way, this is kind of good and bad because it is keeping the possibilities open for small businesses in the U.S. So it's kind of like keeping the huge people out. Um, but. On the other hand, it, it does make it a lot harder for these companies to grow, um, harder to be successful if you know you can't access the public stock market, can't get investors. So unless you already have money, you're kind of boxed out from the market too. Yeah, I think it's, I guess the first thing that kind of came to my mind is, you know, we talk so often about when we're talking about recreational marijuana and legalization, we talk about the potential jobs and Mm -hmm. money that these things could be bringing um, to whatever state that they're going to be in. And, you know, we're now watching a major, major U.S. company taking its income and potential jobs and going Mm -hmm. to another country. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, there are some very, very, I mean, there are lots of real world impacts, but I think that's a big one. Yeah. And I mean, if if anyone who's a member of the Trump administration is listening right now, I think that is highly <laughs> unlikely. But we do have some state legislators who listen. So uh, any, any politicians. But it, it's important to note that, you know, talking about trade deficits and things like that, this is, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, flowing from the U.S. to Canada because of our laws being terrible. And if you're trying to encourage investment in American companies, federal prohibition is very, very bad for that. You know, we could be attracting investments from all over the world, but instead we're sending them out. So good for Canada, bad for uh, the U.S. <laughs> if you take that viewpoint. So uh, we should definitely end federal prohibition. <laughs> yes. All right. So our next story um, is a little bit different. I guess we're focusing again on the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is I was really surprised, um, I guess not surprised at what the study found, but surprised to see it published and surprised mm-hmm. at the, um, the sample size, really. Mm-hmm. So a survey from the Recovery Research Institute at Massachusetts General Hospital found that nearly half of people who report having a problem with alcohol or other drugs are able to, quote, recover without assistance from traditional reco- recovery support networks. And so... Mm-hmm. This, um, the group that was surveyed, it was a group of about 40,000 adults, and they're a representative sample. They are surveyed by um, this company, let's see, the Knowledge, um, where did I put it? Knowledge Panel uh, by the company mm-hmm. GFK. And so they're a representative sample, and they're surveyed on many, many topics. And this was one, they sent out the question and asked people if they ha- used to have a problem with alcohol or other drugs, but no longer do. And so of that 40,000 who were asked the question, about 25,000 answered and 2,047 or about 9% answered yes. So then the full Mm. study, the full survey was sent to those roughly 2,000 participants. Mm -hmm. And then of that group, only about 46% of respondents considered themselves to be in recovery. Um, And people who reported receiving assistance to stop using whatever their 
problematic um, substance was Mm -hmm. tended to be people who started using at a really young age, people who had some sort of um, like poly drug problem, Mm -hmm. were using multiple drugs at the same time, Um, people who had co-occurring mental health issues. And actually, one other interesting thing, um, people whose drug of choice was an opioid tended to report the highest level, the highest uh, rates of needing assistance, while people whose drug of choice was marijuana tended to report the lowest rates. Oh, wow. And, That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think, you know, we talk a lot about how most people who are using drugs, mm-hmm. um, whether it's problematically or not, tend to kind of age out mm-hmm. and don't need this, this full... Um, I don't know, backbone of, of recovery support, right? Yeah. And it's often presented like that's, you know, the only way out. And when you're talking about, you know, court mandated treatment and things like that, they seem to see it as kind of the silver bullet or the gold standard or some other metallic shiny sort of symbolism. But it is important, as you said, a lot of people are aging out of this. And I think it also goes back to show, you know, changes in environmental factors and just like other impacts in your life have such a huge impact on this because it could be that someone developed a problem, uh, you know, ar- around something traumatic happening or a death of a family member or, or whatever the case is. And then eventually you're able to essentially age out of it or just um, you're, you're able to deal with kind of that core problem. And then you, you need uh, you kind of move past the uh, drug abuse that you were having. And other times, you know, environmental factors like, I mean, this is a common thing, and I wonder, it would be interesting to see how much of this was alcohol, but that a lot of people do have very problematic alcohol use in college, and then after they get out of that environment where, um, especially if you're involved in Greek life or something like that, uh, where that is really prevalent, once you're out of that environment, you just don't drink as much, and you're once you have that kind of change, um, it can have a big impact. Absolutely, and that's very similar to what um, the lead author of this study said. And I think one of the biggest things that he wants us to take away from this and that I think we should be taking away from this is mm-hmm. that look, you know, acknowledging the fact that only 46% of these people identify themselves as being in recovery. And so there mm-hmm. needs to be kind of a cultural change about how we, how we identify people and oh, how we yeah. um, really are thinking about how people solve these problems without help. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a, it's, you know, the findings might not be that, groundbreaking um, but Mm -hmm. there are definitely some implications for the future absolutely and so for our last story our our last big one and we actually did end up focusing entirely on the u.s this week uh, but this one i think is super interesting too and it's a new study out of the journal drug and alcohol dependence and the study is called shifting characteristics of ecstasy users ages 12 to 34 in the united states from 2007 to 2014 and they look at basically exactly what's in the title, uh, the shifting demographics, basically, of typical ecstasy users. So they use data from the National Survey on Drug Use and Health to examine how the typical or, you know, kind of median ecstasy user has changed across that seven-year period. And the very high-level summary of some of their biggest findings is that while the overall prevalence of ecstasy use population-wide has remained basically flat um, at about 2% of people having used, Uh, in in the past year, the typical user has become older, more educated, less likely to be married, less likely to be black, and more likely to have recently used other drugs like DMT. 
Um, so kind of to sum things up, um, you know, and this is a rough summary, but it looks like ecstasy is essentially shifting from more of the rave party scene into the realm of kind of like drug nerds and psychonauts. Um, and that this like totally fits that stereotype of, you know, well-off college educated white people, um, who, you know, often, uh, single people, um, who are on Reddit psychonaut and stuff like that. These are the people that are posting there. And I think this does make a lot of sense just because, kind of what I've personally seen over that time period and the the way people talk about it. I mean, er, ecstasy isn't even a word that I hear much anymore. It was kind of strange to see this talked about because everyone talks about MDMA, which again is kind of like the psychonaut sort of thing of like, oh, we're not going to be, we're not like ecstasy <laughs> users. We're in, like using the full chemical names and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah, I, this is really interesting. I, um, I don't know. I really enjoy these, articles like this but it breaks down some mm-hmm. of the demographic things and i completely agree with you this is very uh in line with what i've seen mm-hmm. um during that time period um you know i was in high school probably for the beginning and then college for sort of the end of this time period mm-hmm. um and so i guess i also probably fall into 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 that category right. um and i think it's you know seeing um a shift to the shift to where people with you know college educations and higher higher levels of um, education completed it's mm-hmm. it's interesting um and mm-hmm. really it's it fascinates me to kind of look at the way the drugs that are used by people who maybe didn't graduate high school or just mm-hmm. have a high school education versus the drugs that are then used by people who have at least a bachelor's degree or things like that. You know? Yeah, it is often, you know, a very different social context that they're being used in um, and often, you know, with a very different sort of mindset along with it as well. And I think that the way that the like the actual way people are, are accessing it probably has a lot to do with this because this lines up really well with you know the expansion of silk road and the rest of the dark web uh with sites uh giving people who are really you know computer savvy basically um easy access to all sorts of drugs and uh one thing that i found really interesting that we mentioned before but want to dig into a little bit is how uh so the prevalence of other drug use uh has increased um among ecstasy mdma users uh, that includes marijuana lsd ketamine and dmt uh so it's it's interesting just that essentially people who fewer people are using only mdma um and all and specifically dmt is where there was the largest increase in use and this is doesn't mean they're using them at the same time just that they they've used both of them in the last year and it increased fourfold from 2.1 percent of ecstasy users using DMT to now 8.7%. And so that's kind of, I, from an outside perspective, I totally view DMT as like the psychonaut drug in terms of like how it's talked about in forums and things like that. And uh, it does really kind of go to show that, you know, DMT is something that I think was certainly much harder to find before the dark web. And so uh, it's interesting to see how this is all shifting like that. Absolutely. And so before we move into our headlines, just a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. Join them at patreon.com slash twit. If you've listened to This Week in Drugs before, you know that we have a 30-second commercial each week, which helps cover the cost of producing the show. But that's not our biggest source of funding. 
The big majority of our money comes from listeners like you, who sign up to support our work with a small monthly contribution. At patreon.com slash twid, you can get some great perks for as little as $1 a month. This money helps us pay our bills, like web hosting and audio production software, so that we can keep creating great content for you to listen to each week. Again, that's patreon.com slash twid. We appreciate your support. And now it's time for our quick hit headlines, where we're going to talk about some uh, quick news stories. And the first is that the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has sent warning letters to four companies who sell CBD products for making unsubstantiated claims about their health benefits, writing, Substances that contain components of marijuana will be treated like any other products that make unproven claims to shrink cancer tumors. While GW Pharmaceuticals is moving CBD through the FDA process for the treatment of epilepsy, these four companies were just trying to sell it like a dietary supplement, which does not require FDA approval, but the FDA does still have authority over. Our next headline is international. Uh, This week, an an Italian court acquitted a man found with 58 grams of cannabis in his possession because, as a Rastafarian, he was using the, quote, sacred herb to meditate. And he had told um, prosecutors and his lawyer that he had set up a meditation room at home where he listened to Rasta music on a record player while smoking weed. And that was enough for the court. Excellent. And following up on a story we discussed on episode 112, that was back in September, a Utah nurse who was wrongfully arrested for refusing uh, police to let them draw blood from an unconscious patient without a warrant has come to a $500,000 settlement with the city, avoiding a lawsuit. She says some of the money will go towards helping other people access police body camera footage, which was a really key factor in exposing this incident of police abuse. Absolutely. And my last headline, um, Australia will soon be getting its second safe injecting room as the Victorian government has approved a two-year trial of a safe injecting room in North Richmond, which is a suburb of Melbourne. And now moving into our weekly forecast, uh, next weekend, Catharsis on the Mall is coming back to D.C., Catharsis is an event loosely affiliated with Burning Man. It's essentially a regional burn on the National Mall. Uh, They will have art installations all weekend, including a small temple, which is burned at the end of the event. And this will be the third annual Catharsis. Uh, The first coincided with the 2015 Drug Policy Alliance Reform Conference. That Catharsis, I remember was specifically drug war themed uh, as an event protesting against the war on drugs. It was really awesome to see the temple. They had many layers as it burned, the last of which looked like a prison cell, which then burned to the ground too. Uh, But now that it's been going for a few years, I'm actually not sure if there's still any specific drug war theme or if it's just kind of more of a general Burning Man event. But either way, there will be a lot of drug policy reformers there since there's so much overlap in those communities. And it'll be a great experience for anyone in the D.C. area. So we'll have a link to the Facebook event in the show notes. Fantastic. And my event will take place November 15th, which is a Wednesday, in New York City. And it's co-hosted by the Drug Policy Alliance, the Center for Popular Democracy, the Black Alliance for Just Immigration, the Immigrant Defense Project, and the Cannabis Cultural Association. Uh, The event is titled Marijuana Policing and the Impact on Immigrants. Um, the event will take place from 6.30 to 8 p.m. that Wednesday, and we will also have a link to that and how to register in our show notes. 
So that is all for this week. Um, but before we wrap up, we do want to thank our sponsor, which again, this week is listeners like you. So remember, if you love what we do, we have a Patreon page that you can check out and become a monthly donor. Um, so thank you for always tuning in and listening and supporting us. And we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to season five of This Week in Drugs, hosted by Sam Tracy and me, Sarah Merrigan, and produced by Chris Harris. If you liked this episode, please be sure to subscribe so that new episodes will be sent straight to you. If you really liked this episode, you can help other people discover us by writing a quick review in iTunes or wherever you're listening. And if you absolutely love this episode and want to support our work, you can make a one-time contribution using PayPal, become a monthly supporter on Patreon, or even sponsor an episode. For links to those and to learn more about our other projects, head on over to thisweekindrugs.org.